saw in the opening song last week. Opening song last week we got into was what God has said to me will surely come to be. And what? It shall come to pass. Charlie's testimony here, hanging on to what God has said. Do not let me forget to let you know how that ties in what we're getting into today. Because I have at times done that. Glory be to God. Father, we look to your word this morning knowing that from your word we receive wisdom. We receive revelation. We receive understanding. And we thank you for it. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Oh, glory to God. There was a young and foolish pilot. And he wanted to sound really cool on the radio as he was coming to land at a brand new airstrip. And so he calls over the radio frequency and he says, guess who? Now, if you've done anything with airplanes, you know you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to identify yourself. You have a protocol that you're supposed to do. He didn't do all that. He decided to be a wise guy. He decided to be a little bit foolish. He said, uh, guess who? So the person in the tower turned off all the lights and he said, guess who? Where? <laughs> Sometimes, folks, as Christians, instead of being wise, we have been fools. The thing of it is, is that sometimes as Christians, even though we know better, and sometimes I, I, I'm pretty sure that we think that just because I'm a believer, I won't be a fool. But the Word of God is filled with believers who were fools and missed out on some things. So we really need to get a handle of how I can become foolish so that I don't become foolish. We want to break down the foolish person, see some of the makeup of the foolish person. Just to give you a quick review, I'm not going to get into in-depth like we did last time, but there are three types of wisdom. There is godly wisdom, which was infallible, devilish wisdom, which is immoral, and man's wisdom, which is inadequate. We looked at the four types of people in the Word of God, the wise, the simple, the foolish, and the scornful. And we use the example of the pasta sauce. Remember that one. The wise can listen or can, can taste the pasta sauce and know exactly what's in it, what it needs, what it has too much of, what it has not enough of. It will continue. A wise person can do that because a wise person has discernment and understanding. We use the example of the box up here. That the wisdom contains understanding, understanding contains discernment. Discerning, discernment is simply the ability to, to know what is valuable. So the wise knows why it's good, what it might need. The simple just says, well, that's good, or no, that's not good. It's, uh, they just, that's all they know. They don't know why. A fool says what they feel, and they would just simply say, that's absolutely the worst sauce in the world I ever tasted. That's what a fool would do. That's not the wisest thing to do in in situations of scornful, well, if you made it, it can't be good. That's the scornful. We want to take a look at some more of these things here as we get into this today. If you'll turn over in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Wisdom, we've already covered these things, but just to give you this in, uh, in summary here. Wisdom, there's four pillars to the wisdom of God. First off, it is the knowledge of God. Secondly, it is the fear of the Lord, which is obedience. Third, it is discerning what is valuable. And fourth, it is God-given understanding or revelation. Four things for the wisdom of God. It is based on the knowledge of God. The fear of the Lord is obedience. We obey what God says to do. That's a wise person. Discerning what is valuable and God-given understanding or revelation. In Genesis chapter 3, we all know this story very well. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now we've examined this story a number of times. We're going to take a look at this in the area of wisdom. In the area of the wisdom of God, 
do these people, do Adam and Eve, have the knowledge of God? Do they have the knowledge of God on the matter? Do they know what God has said? Yeah. Do they have the fear of the Lord? Well, they have up to this point. The fear of the Lord is simply doing what God said because you know it's the best thing. It's obedience. That's really what the fear of the Lord is. If God said it, I'm going to respect it. I'm going to do it. When we get out of the area of obedience, we're walking in an area not in the fear of the Lord. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not having that. It's not afraid of the Lord. It's the fear of the Lord. It's the respect. Did they discern what was valuable? They kind of missed it on that, didn't they? They had what was valuable. They already possessed what was valuable. But they gave up what was valuable for something that was not. How many of y'all remember? I, I think it's back on TV again. I think I've seen some stuff where it's back on TV. But uh, when I was growing up, this used to be on TV all, all the time. Let's make a deal. Remember that one? Who was the guy who ran that? Uh, it was one of the first guys in the, in, in the, what do you call it, game shows. Monty Hall. There we go. All right. Monty Hall was there with Let's Make a Deal. And so he would come out there, and a lot of times he would just come and he'd give people some money. He'd give them 50 bucks. He'd give them 100 bucks. He'd give them something like that. It was all small deals. It wasn't these uh, mega deals that they're doing anymore. But they would just come in with something. And he'd say, now, would you like to trade what you have for what's in the box next to Carol, whatever her name was? I remember it was Carol. And, uh, and Carol would be standing by the box and, you know, she'd be showing off the box and, and you'd be thinking, everybody in the audience would be going, trade, trade, don't trade, don't trade. I'd be just shouting back and forth and, and doing all sort of stuff. And then uh, finally they would say, all right, I'm going to trade. And you would trade what's in the box. You don't know what's in the box. And sometimes you would trade up. What's in the box was not worth $50. It was worth a couple hundred dollars. And before you got out of there, Monty Hall would say, all right, now before you go, we want to give you one more opportunity. Would you want to keep what you have in the box or would you like to trade it for curtain number one, curtain number two, or curtain number three? You can keep what's in the box or you can trade it for curtain number one, number two, or number three. And then everybody starts saying, trade, trade, one, one, two, two, three. They're all calling for different ones. And so, you know, they traded for curtain number one. They'd show you in curtain number two first. And curtain number two might be something good, might be something bad. Sometimes it's just a cow standing next to a farmer. I remember that one one time. Just a cow. You want a cow. And there's number three. But you finally get on down to it. And what did you do? Did you trade what had value for what had no value? Or did you trade what had value for something that was of greater value? And you're always wondering. This is where the, these folks are. They have something that is of value. But they're about to trade it for something that has no value. He says, no, God has said, don't eat of the tree. Because in the day that you eat of it, you'll become wise, knowing both good and evil. They already were wise. They already were wise. They didn't know good and evil. All they knew was good. How many of you like to go back to the days where all we knew was good? Yeah. Oh, wouldn't that be better? Yeah. Isn't, isn't just knowing good better than knowing good and evil? So much better. So did they have, were they discerning what was valuable? No. Did they have understanding? They were lacking in understanding. They knew. They were a little bit simplistic here. God said, don't eat it, so I'm not going to eat it. And Eve even said, don't eat it or touch it. That's not quite what God said. God said, don't eat it. But Eve said, no, I'm not supposed to eat it or touch it, lest I die. So he uh, either Adam added something into it or she added somehow something got added into it. And Satan was able to come in and he was able to corrupt because their understanding was not complete. Because they were not able to discern what was valuable and because they would trade what had value for what had no value. This is the thing we've got to make sure that we, we understand. As far as money is concerned, we have a pretty good idea of what's valuable in the area of money. If I have a $5 bill, I'm not going to trade it for a $1 bill. I'm losing value there. If I have a $100 bill, I'm not going to trade it for a $50 bill. If I have a $100 bill, I'm not going to trade it for three twenties. I understand the value of money. We got to understand the value of the things God has given us because a wise person doesn't let them go. They did. So did they have understanding? They didn't completely understand what God had said about when they ate of the tree, they would die. Now, Satan took advantage of their lack of understanding and their uh, inability to discern that what they had 
was of great value. They have some of those shows they put on TV. I've not watched them. I've heard about them. Uh, some of those uh, pawn shop shows and some of those antique shows. And they get people who come on and they have something and they're not sure what kind of value it is. And uh, I remember hearing one, one part of the show where a person came in and they had something and the guy who was on the antiquing show considered what they had to be something of great value. I think he, I don't know what it was, I'll just throw a number out there. I think he valued it at something like $5,000. And she said, oh, I was at a place and they offered me 300 I was about ready to take that deal. They said, you would not have been wise. Hmm. She would have traded something of great value for something of less value. Simply because she didn't understand what she had. We've got to understand what we have in the area of the Spirit. We've got to understand what God has given us because too often we are willing to trade it. In Proverbs, one of the last times we looked at Proverbs, we looked at chapters 6 and 7. And there we see that there is a person who would come along and take what you have because you don't deem it as valuable. In Proverbs, it was called the adulteress. And it was the adulteress because he was writing to his son. And he says, what the adulteress was out to seek, you don't understand what it is that they will take from you. They will take your very life. So here they had, they were already in possession of something great. And they traded it for something of very little value. We have to make sure that we don't do this. In, um, in looking at the simple... We're going to walk in some areas that are less than wise, less than wisdom. The simple, they have some knowledge. The simple have some knowledge of some things that God has said and God has done. They have a simple understanding of it, but they have some knowledge of what God has said, what God has done. They may or not discern what is of value. They may or may not discern what is of value. That would be a simple person. I don't know if this is valuable or not. It looks pretty good. It looks shiny. Maybe it's got some value. They usually lack in understanding. The simple usually lack in understanding. But they may or may not discern what is a value. They may know that this has some value, but they lack the understanding. Remember the story we looked at with the disciples? And Jesus was talking about the bread. They understood that this was important but they lack the understanding to get the real meaning out of it. I put this in your outline for you. Walking in the fear of the Lord can keep them or the simple out of trouble. You may be simple in some areas, but if you walk in the fear of the Lord, it will keep you out of trouble. Remember what the Word of God says about the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It is the beginning. You may be simple, but you just simply know, well, God said not to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't exactly understand why just yet, but I know not to do it. I know not to go that direction. That's a simple person, but they're walking in the fear of the Lord. And even the simple will stay out of trouble if they walk in the fear of the Lord. Just do what he said to do. All right, here's the foolish. The foolish may have some knowledge, but they don't care where it comes from as long as they agree with it. That's the fool. They have some knowledge, but they don't care where it comes from, the knowledge, as long as they agree with it. You look at a foolish person. How many of you have ever seen those men on the street interviews they do? And they uh, start talking to people, you know, about, uh, I heard somebody was doing it. Who was it? Jay Leno? I think it was Jay Leno. I saw something written up there. He did a man on the street about Thanksgiving. And he was asking people, what president instituted Thanksgiving? What president did that? Uh, Kennedy? Uh, Nixon. And th- these were le- these were these were legitimate guesses. You know which one did? G.W. And not uh, not George Bush. The first G.W. George Washington Institute of Thanksgiving. But uh, you know, 1960. That's a little early or a little late to be. <laughs> I think Thanksgiving was going on before then. But see, they they have some knowledge. But it may not be right. But as long as I feel like it's right, it's okay. That's the foolish. 
Just because you have knowledge does not mean that the knowledge is right. The wise person continually takes what they know and measures it against the knowledge of God. Here's what I know. Does this measure up with the Word of God? Every time they receive new revelation on the Word of God, does this measure up with what I know? They're continually trying to to learn. The wise receive counsel. They receive rebuke. If someone comes to them and says that belief is wrong and they show them in the Word of God, they will adapt what the Word of God says. That's the wise person. The fool says, I don't think that's right. I don't like that. I don't want to do that. That's the fool. They have some knowledge, but they don't care where the knowledge comes from as long as they agree with it. The amount of people in this country who believe things is astounding. A long time ago, I used to listen to a radio program. I haven't tuned it in for a while. And that you may know this uh, program. And I think they still do it today. Anybody ever heard of Moron Trivia? It's actually supposed to be Moron Trivia, but it got translated into Moron Trivia. And so what they would do is they were trying to predict the winner of the Monday night football game by calling four convenience stores in each of the two cities that would compete, asking each one four simple questions, such as, who was the first president of the United States? Name three states with the word new in it. And, and they would go through and they would, they would talk about this, you know, what is an island? Simple stuff, stuff that you should know if you graduated high school. So they would call the convenience stores and, uh, and, and get four people who were willing to uh, go on there and do this. And if they got a question right, they received a point. And uh, they did four people, one for each quarter. And they would, anyway, they went on through and they picked all that. And the answers were funny. Because, and the thing was that people actually thought this. You know, they would ask questions like, who is the current vice president of the United States? They wouldn't know. Or they throw out names that, What? It's, it's, it's amazing how much knowledge people do not have. When was the revolutionary, remember this one, when was the revolutionary war fought? 1940? I mean, you, you laugh at it, but people, we're trying to live our Christian lives and sometimes Christians don't know more about the word than some of these people know about what's going on in the world around them. And we think we're going to get through. It is imperative that you know what the word of God says. It is a life or death situation that you know what the Word of God says. Adam and Eve in the garden. One thing, don't eat of this tree. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. It is a life and death situation. And they let it be taken right out from under them. We are faced with life and death situations, but folks, many Christians don't grow in the knowledge of God. They don't pursue the wisdom from the Word of God. They simply, if I feel like I like that, it's, I'll, I'll accept that. That's fine. If you tell them Jesus doesn't make people sick, well, I don't think that's so. My aunt, my aunt Sue, she died. She's believing God. It doesn't matter what you feel. It matters what the Word of God says. As we were saying in the, in the things going on with the uh, testimony that Jolly shared, song from last week, You've got to hang on to what the Word of God has said, what the Word of God has promised you. You've got to hang on to it. Do not let it go. Don't let it go. Because it's going to be one of those things that if you, don't, if you let it go now on the easy stuff, when you get to the hard stuff, it's going to be tough. He was talking about a job today. The first job I ever applied for. First job I ever applied for. I applied for a year and a half before I got it. A year and a half before I got that job. I would go in there almost once a month. Asking to be hired. He wasn't ready to hire. He didn't hire me. Eventually he did. It was good for him. It was good for me. I learned some stuff. I didn't have a direction from God saying go in there and get that job. But eventually God did say there's a job for you. Go get it. And I went after it and got it. But you got to, there's a development process. And Satan wants to pull you from that development process. Don't let him do it. Don't let him do that. All right. They walk by the light of feeling and experience, not by the fear of the Lord. That is a fool. 
If there is an area in your life, and understand, you can be wise in one area and full in the other. If you walk by the light of feeling or the light of experience, not by the fear of the Lord, then you are a fool in that area. What has God said for you to do? Well, God said in his word, I should do this. What are you doing? Well, I don't feel like I want to do that. What are you? I am a fool. Well, I tried that before and it didn't work. So I'm doing it this way. What are you? I am a fool. According to the word of God. If I simply say, this is what God's word said I should do. So that's why I'm doing it. I am wise. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Person who's the foolish, they say what they feel. They believe what they feel. They are not governed by what is written. You need to be governed by what is written. I saw this. I was going to copy it out and, and bring it on out for you. I saw this. This uh, I forget who it was who shared it. Somebody shared it. I think it was Doug Jones. I may have even put it up on Facebook on, on, on there as well. 20 things that rich people do that poor people don't. 20 things rich people do that poor people don't. If I, can, if I think of it next week, I'll try and pull it out and, and uh, hold it up. Because generally, rich people are people that are wise with their money. <laughs> Fools are people who are not wise with their money. How many rich people do we know, have you heard stories from, who started off with 50 bucks and are multimillionaires now? What's the difference between them and you? <laughs> we may as well say it. They were wise. We were not. They took their 50 bucks and they did something with it and they, they uh, became rich from it. So one of the things that, uh, that they would say to do, you know, some of them you might, might know, uh, written goals. Uh, rich people have written goals. Wise people don't. That's a, that's a pretty common one. Uh, rich people uh, read. Wise people don't. And it's a huge percentage. Huge percentage. About one of them I was really drawn to was rich people say what they feel about 10% of the time. Poor people say what they feel something like 85% of the time. That's a difference. What's the word of God say we should do? Say what you feel? Uh-uh. See, rich people just learned, or the people that have they just learned... Whether they learned it from the Word of God or not, it's still truth. Don't just say what you feel. Just because you feel something doesn't mean you should say it. You better, you better get that one down. Foolish person has no idea what has value. And they are void of godly understanding. None of it. There is no godly understanding at all with a fool. They have no idea what has value. At least a simple has some idea that something might be valuable. But a fool, None. All right, Matthew 16, 1. We looked at this before, but I want you to look at it with these things in mind. Then the Pharisees and the Sadducees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. Because a fool wants to feel it. A fool wants to see these kind of things. A wise person will believe what is said, would believe what is written. He answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather. For the sky is red, and in the morning it will be foul weather today. For the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. We ought now we've we've taught end times here a number of times, so that you all can recognize the signs of the time that they don't throw you. We don't want that to throw you. We want you to know what it says from the word. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. And he left them and departed. And when his disciples had come to the other side, they had forgotten to take, and take bread. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they answered, or they reasoned among themselves, saying, It is because we have taken no bread. But Jesus, being aware of it, said to them, O oh, you of little faith, why do you reason among yourselves because you have brought no bread? Do you not yet understand or remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up? Nor the seven loaves of the 4,000 and how many large baskets you took up? 
How is it that you do not understand that I did not speak to you concerning bread, but to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that he did not tell them to beware of the leaven of the bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Go on back over here. Verse 7. I'll go back to verse 6. And Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves. We're going to focus in on this word, reasoned. You're going to see this repeated a few times in the Word of God in a disturbing way. When they reasoned among themselves, did they come up with a good answer? No, they did not. They did not at all. You're going to see that it says here, and they reasoned. You're going to see this a few times in the scripture. And they reasoned. And they reasoned. Here's another time. Verse 21 or Matthew 21, verse 23. Now, when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of John. Where was it from? From heaven or from men? And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, why then did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitude, for all counted John as a prophet. So they answered and said, we do not know. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. So they reasoned among themselves. Listen to how they reason among themselves. Are they reasoning to find out truth? No. No. Most times, folks, that we get ourselves into a situation where we are reasoning. We are not looking for truth. We're looking for a way out. We're looking for a way to save face. We're looking for knowledge that I can, I can, I can understand with my understanding. We're, we're, we're not going the right way. They reasoned among themselves. If we say the first answer, it's going to be this way. If we say the second answer, it's going to be this way. We don't like any of those answers. So we'd rather be ignorant. That's the same way it is today, isn't it? How many times we have a problem going on in the government and what do people say? I didn't know. <laughs> I'm not sure why we think ignorance is a good thing. We're supposed to be knowing. You are not to be ignorant in this life. And the enemy, when you approach the, when the enemy approaches you, or you're there to defend yourself, and you simply say, well, I don't know, does that get you out of trouble with the enemy? Does that deliver you? Mm -mm. No, it's what you know. When Jesus was tempted, what did he say? Well, I don't know if I ought to do that. No, what did he say? It is written. He said what he knew. He knew stuff. The thing is, he had to know that before the temptation came up. You've got to get yourself in the know before you need to be there. And understand this about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will lead you into the knowledge that you need in your personal study, in the things that you hear, in the things that He reveals to you in the Spirit. He is getting you ready. And if you take those things and you get themselves going, you're going to be prepared. I heard one of the funniest stories on preparation. I shared it with one person and they didn't, they didn't think it was as funny as I did. But I'm going to share it with you anyway. I'm going to take a, take a shot and see. But there was this discussion between TV personalities. I did not see this on TV. I read about it. And I laughed hysterically. Now, it's most, some of this is funny to me because I'm a runner. I like to run. But there were two people sitting on the sofa having a discussion. And they were right, right in the heart of I don't know if you know this. This is the heart of marathon season. I think last weekend was the Philadelphia Marathon. New York was before that. Um, I don't keep track of what they all are, but they have a lot of big marathons. People go out and they run marathons. And so these two people were sitting there and they were talking about marathons and people who ran marathons. And the one person stood up trying to be wise and said, now, the typical person should not just go out and run a marathon. Oh, no, 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 they shouldn't run a marathon. You need to train. You need to get yourself ready. I'm thinking, duh, because I don't run into too many people who are ready to get up off the couch and go run 26.2 miles. 
In fact, I think most people that I talk to are not ready to go out and run five miles. <laughs> Let alone 26.2 miles. 26.2 miles is a long way. That is one quarter of the trip from here to Ocean City, New Jersey. One quarter of the way from here to Ocean City, New Jersey. You'd run it. That's a long way to go. Some of you don't like the drive, let alone the run. I don't know why you'd have to, why you'd have to tell people to do that, but they felt it was necessary to, to do such a thing. And uh, they didn't just say it once. They actually said it a number of times. You need to train. You need to get yourself ready. Don't just go out and run 26.2 miles. Okay. In case anybody was thinking about doing that tomorrow, you can scratch that off your to-do list. They reason among themselves. They're not trying to find truth here. They're simply trying to get out of a situation. And they reasoned among themselves. One more story here. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the words of them. Are these people hungry for the gospel? They are. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes who were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Why can... Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived, how do you perceive something? Do you know it in your head? You receive it in your spirit. When he perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say that a paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. I think it's interesting to note that he does not say, why do you reason in your heads? There are some things you do in your head and there's some things that do in your heart. There are sometimes we speak words from our head, but there are other times we speak it from our heart, our belief. Sometimes we just let things go, but we don't necessarily believe them. But other times we're speaking things because I believe that to be the case. I believe that to be so. Sometimes they're good things. Sometimes they're bad things. It depends on what your beliefs are. How much you believe good things will happen to you. Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven you. Or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up his bed and went on went out in the presence of them all. So they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. If you go over to the corresponding passage, I believe it's in Mark. We've looked at this before. We see that the Word of God specifically says, the presence of the Lord was present to heal, remember? All. But how many people got healed at this meeting? One, one paralytic got healed, but the word of God says that the the power of God was present to heal all. If you don't know that, go uh, when you get home today, go back on over, find the parallel passages on these, give you a little bit of homework to do, read it up. It will bless you. But only one got healed. Just because the presence of God is, or just because the uh, spirit of God is present to do something doesn't mean it will get done. We can turn it off. How did they turn it off? By reasoning in their heart. So reasoning in your heart, this is not a good thing. Reasoning in yourselves, this is not a good thing. This will hold you back. Now, I put this in your outline. I hope you get get this one down. Without revelation, we rely on reasoning. Without revelation, we rely on reasoning. It is imperative that we move ourselves into the area of receiving 
revelation. When we do not receive revelation, we reason. Revelation is received. Reasoning, you figure it out. Revelation is received. When we receive it, we receive it from outside of ourselves. Luke chapter 3, verse 15, if you turn there. Now as the people were in expectation and all reasoned in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, they reasoned in their hearts. They're looking at John. John's doing these things. He's speaking these truths. He's baptizing people. Is this the Christ? Is this the one? If you go on in this uh, section of Scripture, you're going to see that John says, I'm not him. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandal. One is coming after me. He was greater. He's the one who came before. But they reasoned in their hearts. Why are they reasoning in their hearts about whether this is the Christ or not? Because they have not received revelation. Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. How did those others come to those conclusions? They reasoned. Well, you know, I think he might. They come up with a good theory. Who do you think Jesus is? I think he's Elijah. Why do you think that? Well, you know, the Word of God says this and that. I don't know. I just he, he kind of has that air about him. I just think, you know, he's important. I think he's just a prophet. Well, I think he's Jeremiah. Why do you think he's Jeremiah? I don't know. i just thinking about it and reasoning among myself. And he said to them, verse 15, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He doesn't say... With any wonderment, he says for a certainty, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but what? My Father who is in heaven. He did not reason to get this. He received revelation. When we receive revelation, that is wisdom. We need to hang on to it. It will be wisdom that will help us as we conduct our lives. The people are reasoning about John. Do you think he's the Christ? Do you think he's not the Christ? There are people who are reasoning about Jesus. Do you think he's the Christ? Do you think he's Elijah? Do you think he's a prophet? What do you think he is? But what do the disciples say? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He goes on, has more than they say about that. But turn on over to Luke chapter 24, verse 13. Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day, this is after Jesus was crucified, to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Why are they reasoning? Remember? You reason when you are without revelation. You don't reason when you have revelation. You reason when you are without revelation. If you have revelation, you have the knowledge. You have the understanding. But without it, you are reasoning. It's simple like this. We'll put it to you in, in, in these kind of terms. How many have ever had a funny noise in your car? Yeah. And you don't know anything about cars, so what are you doing? I'm reasoning. Well, it sounds like it might be coming from this. I don't know. Maybe it's the alternator. <laughs> Do you know where the alternator is? Uh, no. Uh, maybe it's the muffler. Maybe it's... uh. I don't know, I heard something about somebody had a problem with the drivetrain before. Maybe it's the drivetrain. We're just throwing, we're reasoning among ourselves. Do we know? No. But if we take it over to a mechanic that we trust, and the mechanic listens to that sound, and he says, oh, it's this. We received revelation. And we go out from there and we begin to speak to, what, what's wrong with your car? Oh, it was just a belt that was bad. It was just this. Why do we say that? Because I received revelation. 
And sometimes when they give us that revelation, they also explain what it is that's going on. What maybe caused it. You know, well, every, your car's about 100,000 miles old. These kind of things usually go around 100,000 miles, so it's right on line with what it should be doing. And they walk together of all the things that happen. I'm sorry, and they talk together of all the things that had happened. So it was that while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. They, it wasn't revealed to them who he was. It was concealed, not revealed. And they reasoned. Now, when Jesus, you know the rest of the story, when Jesus went on and began to talk to them about this, and he said he went all the way back into the Old Testament to the prophets, and he began to take them through and to tell them these things had to be. How many times, we've, we looked at this before, how many times did Jesus tell his disciples, the Son of Man will be crucified, beaten, and on the third, killed, and on the third day, raised from the dead? We went through the Word of God and we looked at how many times he did it. He didn't start teaching them that until Peter confessed, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then he began to teach them these things and then Peter pulled them aside and said, wait a minute, don't be teaching this. This is not good things. And Jesus rebuked him saying, get behind me, Satan. So he was just getting revelation from God. Now he's not quite tied into the same thing there. But he taught them many times. We also looked at the whole path over to Jerusalem. He taught them about it before they left for Jerusalem. He taught them about it before they got to Jerusalem. Before they got to Jerusalem, it said he pulled them all aside and told them again. Now look, I'm going to be beaten, arrested, crucified, and killed. And on the third day, I will rise up. He taught them that again when he was in Jerusalem. I will be beaten. The Son of Man will be beaten crucified, killed, and on the third day, raised up. And then we went through and we looked at the words that the disciples used after Jesus was crucified. And when his body was missing, he was gone. And the disciples were in despair and Jesus came up to some of them. Why are you sad? Well, Jesus of Nazareth was crucified, killed, buried, and now this is the third day. <laughs> the third day, the very day that he said he would be raised. And even when the woman came back from the tomb and said, we saw him. Oh, you guys are crazy. What day is it? It's the third day. Even though they were told this, they didn't get it. Why? Because of the reasoning in their hearts. Reasoning in your heart is an enemy to the revelation of God. As long as you continue to reason in your heart about your matter, about the healing that you need, about your financial matter, if you continue to reason, but God, I have done this. But God, why is this happening to me? But God, if you continue to reason, you are warring against revelation. Don't do that. God wants to give you revelation. God wants to give it to you. He wants to help you out with that. I'm working on some things right now. God's dealing with me on some things in the area of this area of, of healing and where revelation comes in. I'm not quite to the point where I can share it yet. I'm getting there. When I'm there, we'll share it. I'll let you know what, the, what, what I learned from the... And it's in the Word of God. I saw it. In the, it's, it's in the Word of God. It is amazing what God can do in the area of revelation in the area of healing. Among other areas. But reasoning is an enemy to revelation. As long as the disciples kept reasoning in their heart. Why did we follow after him all these years? Why did we do all that? Why did we leave all these things behind? As long as they kept reasoning, revelation could not get in. They could even say the very words that Jesus said. The third day. And they don't get it. Why? Because reasoning is the enemy. You have got to get reasoning out to get revelation in. What will advance you is revelation. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. When Paul talks about the revelation that he has or the, the, the teaching that he got on the church, he said it was revealed to him. Not taught to him. 
revealed to him. Many other times in the word of God, we can see that. Walking in reasoning is an enemy to receiving revelation. Revelation is received. Reasoning is worked on. You're going to work on it. You're going to work hard on it. You're going to try and piece it all together. You're going to try and figure it all out. It's not going to help you. It's not going to help you. Just a quick part here. Walking against wisdom, this is the scornful. Regardless of signs, wonders, and miracles, regardless of the light of revelation they receive, they will stand against it to protect what they have and might lose. That's what we saw with the Pharisees. We don't want to lose what we have. So we will stand against wisdom. We will stand against revelation because we do not want to lose what we have. Don't, don't walk in that way. Put this in your outline here. Get these, I hope we get these things down. Understanding comes by revelation. Understanding comes by revelation. Not reasoning. It is revelation. It will be revealed. The light will go on. How many times has it happened for you that you've been trying to figure out a problem and, oh, now I get it. Yeah. Revelation will come. It gets your attention. I was, uh, I was meditating on this some time back and uh, you, you all know I like to, like to run. I love to run. That's an understatement. I just, I love to run. No one else, I understand, probably no one else shares that. Maybe Lamar a little bit. <laughs> I know most people don't. don't li- My son loves to swim. He does not like to run, but he will run with me. Does not like. I love to run. I was thinking about this, and, and you know why most people run? Most people run because, they, because of fat or fitness. That's why most people run. Fat or fitness. They want to get rid of some fat. They want to get fit. That's why most people run. I do not run for those reasons. I do not care about fat, nor do I care about fitness. I don't care about either one. That's just sort of a byproduct. I don't care. I don't go out to run and say, well, I got to lose. Nope. Well, I got to get in shape. Nope. I don't care about getting in shape. I don't care about being fat, thin, skinny, nothing. I care about two things when I go out and run. How fast and how far. That's it. If I go out to run, I'm not thinking about calories. I'm thinking about how fast and how far. And so when I go out and run, my goal is to run faster than I did before. And so whenever I run an area over the course of the miles that is out there, I will have as many as 12 to 20 points on that run in my head and where I should be at that time. Some of them are only two or three minutes apart. And I'm monitoring. How am I doing? Oh, I'm ahead. Oh, I'm behind. I don't need any kind of a computer thing to do it. It does it for me automatically. Well, one time I was contemplating on a run. I was getting ready to run. And they go, now see, if you're, running, if you're running for fitness, if you're running to lose weight, if you're running for that, you just want to run miles. You just want to put some miles in. I don't do that. Every single run has to have a purpose. Either you're running faster or you're running longer, or you're doing something. It has to have to do with that. And so one time I was putting something together and I say, now why am I running today? Am I running to be fast? No, I just ran the fast one yesterday. You don't want to run too fast. And it's all right, then I'm running far. Well, no, I'm running far. And I began to contemplate this. And in my spirit, it came up this way. I mean, it was just a str- not, not a voice from heaven, but up in my spirit came, don't run junk miles. Caught me by attention. Caught my attention. What? Because I'm thinking every mile is good. How many of you believe that? Every mile is good. going to help you out. And this came up. Don't run. Actually, it wasn't junk miles. You don't run useless miles is what came up. Don't run useless miles. I thought, why would, why would that come up on the inside? And so I contemplated and I actually ended up taking the day off. Thinking on that. I don't quite understand that. What, what is that going on? Well, it wasn't more than a week after that that I was reading. I have all these different things that I like to read on the area of running. And one of them came on up. And here's the name of the, the uh, article. Junk Miles. So, huh. 
what is this? And so I read the thing, and doggone, if what came into me in Revelation wasn't in that article. Now, there was a lot more details in the article. I just got this thing, don't run useless miles. And because there were times I was just trying to tack miles on just to get the, the mileage for the week up or something like that. Don't run useless miles. Well, it came to me on a revelate. Now, it has nothing to do with my spiritual walk. It just helped me out in some stuff that I was doing. Then I tried to shape up the, the rest of the things I was doing in light of that. But that was a, something that came in. That's not something that I reasoned. Revelation, God will speak revelation to you about how you should eat, about how you should work, about what to do with your car, about what to do with your house, about what to do with your money, about what to do with your friends, what to do with your kids. He will speak things to you by revelation, not by reasoning. But how do we get to the place of that revelation? How do I receive that revelation? Well, the thing you have to stop doing is reasoning the matter in your heart. Reasoning is, there's another word for reasoning. It's called worry. That is another form of reasoning. How many of you like to worry? That is, is that not reasoning? Are you not reasoning in your heart? Are you not reasoning in yourself? Why this thing is going to be bad? Why this thing is going to go wrong? There's a reasoning that goes on. You've got to stop all reasoning. And what you need to do is just go out there and meditate on the issue. There are many times in the Word of God when I'm trying to understand a passage, either to teach it or just understand it for myself. I'm trying to understand a passage. Trying to, there, there's something more. You, you, you get that discernment that comes up. And in that discernment, it just says there's something more to be known. And so you press into it. I'm not going to get it by reasoning it out. I'm going to get it by revelation. And so I begin to read that scripture over and over to myself. I begin to go away and I just get down on my knees and pray in the spirit to receive the thing. Sometimes when I'm praying in the spirit, sometimes when I'm cutting the lawn, sometimes when I'm sanding something, all of a sudden the light is turned on and I see and revelation comes. Revelation is like when you get up in the middle of the night because you have to get up and do something, but some objects in the room got moved around and you're not sure what they are. And you go over and you flip on the light and then you see what's in the room. What comes to you? Revelation. It's exactly what God does. He turns the light on for you so that you understand. And you walk in the light of that revelation. Understanding comes by revelation. Revelation comes by the Spirit to our spirit by bring, bringing light to the world we know. It brings light to the world that we know. He wants to help you in the world that you know. Now, here's what the enemy does. The enemy comes to steal the word that was sown. Revelation comes by the Spirit to, in our spirit to bring light to the word that we know. There's, how many of y'all know there's word that you know? There's word that you don't know, but there's word that you know. You've got your, your sphere of the word that you have an understanding of. And God will speak light about that which you know to expand your horizons on this. The word of God tells us in the parable of the sower that the enemy comes to steal the word that was sown. That's the first soil. The enemy comes to steal or to snatch away what was sown. If that doesn't work... We see that understanding. He wants to get it so that you don't understand. And it went on. We're not, we're not getting into that one right now. Love that parable. But the enemy comes to steal the word that was sown. Word was sown and it got stolen. Why? Because you didn't see it as valuable. Because you didn't have understanding on it. Whatever it might be. The enemy comes to steal it. If he gets that word out, you will not get revelation on that word. Because it's out. God will give you revelation on the word that you know. And confuse the revelation we have through reasonings. He wants to take what revelation you've got and he wants to confuse it with reasoning. Peter had that revelation. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And the next section of scripture over, he's pulling Jesus aside. You are not to talk this way. You shouldn't all talk about your death and resurrection and so forth. That's not the way that you ought to be going. And Jesus rebukes them. Why? Because reasonings came in. 
And that reasoning combated the revelation that he had received. Reasonings, worry, stuff like that will combat the revelation that you have. You need to hang on to that revelation. And just as Brother Jolly was talking about today, just as we were talking about with uh, Sister Connie on that uh, song that you brought in last week, it shall come to pass. But you've got to hang on to it. You cannot let it go. Because understand this, that when you first start walking in an area of truth, the enemy will come to try and snatch away the word that you have. If that doesn't work, he's going to try and have other things come up and grow around it to try and choke it out. That's another way that he's going to come about doing this. You cannot let it happen. You've got to guard that seed. You've got to get revelation on what God's, God will speak to you about revelation. How many, do you want to raise your hand on this unless you want to? But how many have a situation, have a problem, have something that is staring you in the face and you do not know what to do about it? God wants to speak revelation on what you should do. And if you receive revelation from God on what to do, how many all know it'll work? But you gotta do it. And you gotta have stamina. Because just because God says to do it doesn't mean it will be easy. The children of Israel went in the direction that God said to go. Was it easy? It was not easy. Moses came down and said, going down to, the, to Egypt. It's going to be ten plagues we're going to do. Was it easy? It was not easy. But it was God's direction. Joshua says, lead my people into the promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. You're going to take it. Was it easy? It was not easy, but they, those who pursued took it. David is anointed a king and says, you are going to be king. Was the way he would go after that easy? It was very difficult, wasn't it? And a very difficult way to go. But he became king. When Paul received that revelation on the road to Damascus, God even says to him through the prophet or says to the prophet, I will show him how Many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Understand the way that God shows us is not always easy, but it is always wise. We have to in, have to get some endurance, just like the people on the sofa. Don't go out there and run a marathon. <laughs> get some training in. God is training us up in the little areas that we have there in front of us. Little things going on in our job. Little things going on in our families. Little things going on in our bodies. Because He is preparing us for what is coming down the road. He sees what's coming down the road. He knows what's coming down the road. And He says, you're going to be just fine. Just do what I tell you to do. And when it comes, you will be ready. Revelation will come to you. But reasonings are its enemy. Stay out of the area of reasonings. Stay out of the area of the fool. The fool reasons within themselves. The wise receive revelation. They receive understanding. And they do it. That's the wise. Oh, I hope we can fall into the area of the wise. There are often times that we have endeavored to do things as Christians but we have picked up the way of the fool, thinking it was the way of the wise. We came out with hardship. We came out with difficulty. We came out with troubles. We came out with it's not working. And we're going to look at some people in the Word of God who followed this path, who went in this direction. We can learn from their mistakes because God does not want us to have to do that. He wants to speak to us revelation. Whether it be doing with your physical body, whether it be dealing with your finances, whether it be dealing with relationships, He wants to help you out with that. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank You that You are here to help us. You are here to speak revelation to us. You are here to open up our eyes that we may know our direction. We may know where we need to go, what we need to do. You want us to know the end at the beginning. And the way may not be easy, but when we have Your revelation, when we have your understanding, when we are able to discern what is valuable and what is not, we walk in the way of wisdom. We thank you for the help that you give us in that. In the name of Jesus, we pray.
Amen. We have some praise reports. If you didn't get those in, go ahead and uh, get them over to the to the usher. Usher that is nearest you. Um, Daryl had uh, said God made a way for me to take part in a. <laughs> I almost read that wrong. <laughs> I think I'm going to need to put my glasses on. <laughs> okay, Daryl said God made a way for me to take part in a program at Alicia's school this week. That's great. See how we can get uh, little things that, that are important to us. God wants us to be with our kids, right? Amen. Um, Candy said, I had been praying for a certain amount of money for, I guess it says 13 days? Three days. Oh, for three days. Okay. And in two days, I received exactly the amount I was praying for with a little extra. God always does over and above. Amen. Nancy says, I thank God for being there for me. I was stressing a lot, and after I prayed, God answered my prayer right away. I'm overwhelmed by his love, and let his name be glorified. Amen. God always answers prayer. And this one I'm going to try and shorten just a little bit, but Tony received a, a word of knowledge um, on Wednesday night uh, with regards to a situation that she was, uh, she was facing, and she said that she's going to be obedient to do what the Lord tells her to do. Amen. And then this one came from Susan. There's two. She said, um, Pastor and Connie prayed for me last week, and I am pain-free. Amen. Still praying free. Um, and also, my second book, The Scent of Fear, was released on Kindle last Thursday. Woohoo! Praise God. Praise God. Um, this one says, Nass says, I want to thank God for making a very challenging week at work easy for me as my boss was away. I would also like to say something at the end if I may. Sorry, I tried. <laughs> this said I received a pay increase, and I have had no pain in my left knee for two weeks. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 